Hey y'all, welcome to Shelf Life, a podcast where I, Nicole Barbosa, chat with some of the coolest people in publishing about the wonderful world of books. In each episode, my guest and I will chat all about their book, Real or Imaginary, and then place it on a shelf alongside other authors and books that inspire them. Great literature frozen in time. It's definitely one for all the bibliophiles. In today's episode, I chat with Julie Wernersbach, literary director of the Texas Book Festival. As a key team member for the annual festival, Julie is responsible for the development and implementation of year-round literary programming in Austin and in other Texas cities, including the beloved two-day festival. And with only four months to go, it's safe to say that everyone is super excited for this year's Texas Book Festival. As one of the largest and most prestigious literary festivals in America, I just had to chat with someone on the inside. It was such a treat to chat with Julie about why the festival continues to be a favorite for authors, readers, and visitors to Austin, the fantastic work that the nonprofit does each year, and to find out about some of the incredible authors who will appear this year. Books in Texas? What more could you want? Put on your boots and let's two-step over to Texas. I really hope you all enjoy this. Thank you so much for being here today, Julie. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for chatting with me. I've got my Texas flag mug. I've got my mug of tea. (laughs) So I've kind of Texas, kind of English. Um, I'm very excited. And yeah, I just cannot wait to talk to you about everything to do with the Texas Book Festival. So obviously I'm a little biased having uh, come from that great state itself. And I have to say, you probably have one of the coolest jobs in the world. I mean, literary director of the Texas Book Festival. Do you find yourself kind of waking up every day and being like, oh my gosh, I get to do this for a living. I'd love for you to tell us how you started working at the festival and, you know, about your role a bit more. Sure. Yeah. I am very grateful to be where I am. And it definitely is a dream to work amongst books and to really work to connect readers and writers. Like that's really the heart and soul of what we do. And what I get to do is bringing all these authors to Texas to meet the wonderful audience of readers that we have here. So yeah, that is a dream. But to be honest, when I wake up in the morning, especially now as we're getting into festival season, it's more like, oh God, what what have I not done yet? Which emails (laughs) did I not send? Who did I not follow up about? So it's a lot of that right now. It can be stressful, but it's an excellent space to be in. I really love it. So my background is I worked at an independent bookstore. I was an independent bookseller for 10 years. I started at a bookstore on Long Island, um, on the North Shore of Long Island called Book Review. And I started there just as a bookseller and then um, got into their events and marketing. So then I was running their publicity and their events and just doing marketing for the store. And that kind of gave me my training in author events and sort of showed me how this whole publicity and author tour world works. And so then I did that for five years and it was great and I loved it, um, but I was ready to kind of experience a different city. Um, I was turning 30 and I didn't want to turn 30 on the <laughs> island. And so, um, and so I had known about book people from a friend's grandmother who used to live in Austin and rave about this big bookstore all the time. And so I just looked them up and sent them my resume and they were looking for marketing help as it turned out at that moment. So it worked out really well. So I went there and I was in their marketing department for 10 years. I was the publicist and then the marketing director, but always just doing events and book marketing and figuring out all the ways to highlight all the books that we were all reading at the store and loving and, yeah. you know, finding all those special ways to connect them with readers. And then the spot opened up at Texas Book Festival and I'd been with book people for five years and it felt like a nice transition, a way to see a slightly different part of the industry and to work for a nonprofit, which I love. And now I'm going into my fourth festival. So 
Oh, not jealous at all. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just sitting here like, oh my gosh, that sounds like an absolute dream. Just working your way up in such a special way as well. It's not really a traditional way. So I know right. a lot of people that are in publishing start out working in bookstores, which I can only imagine and dream <laughs> myself that yeah. it's just a, an awesome way to really get into the deeper parts of, you know, festivals and publishing. I think my thing is I would have a hard time working at a bookstore because I would just be reading the whole time. So I'd pretend that I was doing research for somebody, but in fact, I would just be like, no, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm reading this book while I'm sat here. So it's probably not a good mix. (laughs) No, that's kind of the secret of the book industry in general, whether it's publishing or book selling or a festival or whatever it is, is that like you don't read on the job. And so you really spend all of your hours outside of work reading for work. And it's sort of like, yeah, I mean, it's great, but it also just becomes like, wow, I'm like, my whole life is books, you know, <laughs> which is yeah. wonderful, which is it wonderful is. in a lot of ways. But yeah, you can't stand around reading all day. Oh, it's <laughs> so know? great to talk to somebody who gets it. I mean, because I find readers to be on quite a big spectrum, actually. So you have people mm-hmm. who, you know, will read when they go on holiday, and they occasionally pick up a right. few books, you know, every couple years, or mm-hmm. maybe even every year. And then you have the people, you know, in the middle that are, oh, when mm-hmm. those bestsellers get announced, they'll go right. and them and maybe they sit on their shelf and then you have the obsessed over here which I'm definitely not realm it's a lovely way to live I think and Mm -hmm. and being able to to jump into stories and Mm -hmm. tell people how much you love them it's such a cool thing and I was just gonna ask so you have a degree in English and I I do I've, I've met people who have also done degrees in English and they said that reading was ruined for them by doing a degree in English because they had to do it from an academic perspective. Did you find that or did you still just absolutely Uh, love it? No, I mean, I was an English major with a philosophy minor. And so all I did was, I mean, read hundreds of pages a week and then write so many pages of papers every single week. That was a lot. And I worked during college as well. So like that was a lot, but it didn't ruin it for me at all. I mean, I was, as soon as I was finished with my undergrad, I knew, I knew that I wasn't going to run into graduate studies like that, like right away. I thought maybe in the future, but I was excited really to just start reading, you know, more contemporary literature and just books that I, that weren't assigned. So it definitely didn't squash anything for me. I mean, if anything, it really, it just developed some of that, those critical reading skills and those critical thinking skills that really made the book so much richer for me and, and gave me sort of new access into a lot of them. And and honestly, you know, I did take a postmodern literature course my senior year of college, and that turned me on to Don DeLillo, which like sent me down such a highway, um, which I'm really grateful for. And so, yeah, no, man, I tore through books as soon as I was done <laughs> with school and could read anything. Like, it was great. And I was dating somebody at the time who was also a really big reader, and she had this giant library of books. And so I was like right. pulling stuff off the shelf all the time. And Yeah, I felt kind of a really big freedom. Yeah, I can't imagine what else I would have done if not an English major. Like, I can't can't even imagine. And then once I, like, started working at a bookstore, and I had a few years where I worked some odd jobs in between college and my book selling life. And when I finally got to the bookstore, I was like, oh, I can use all of this knowledge. Like I can talk to all the high school students about like, yeah, which Jane Austen novel I need to read next. And you know, like this all, like it all finally has a place now. (laughs) So yeah. I have to admit, so I was in Nashville last month and I went to Parnassus Books, which is just absolutely incredible. And I was chatting with the staff and then I went off and I just took my time and I was probably in there for best part of three hours, just literally taking my time, looking at everything. Mm -hmm. Because as you, you probably know the release dates are very different in the U.S. and the U.K. So, oh, right, you know, <laughs> and I have been known yes. uh, on many occasions to expedite them from the U.S. because I can't yeah. wait. But I go to the U.S. and I find the books that I want to read that maybe have come just mm-hmm. on paperback that you know are still in hardback right. in the U.K. And <laughs> found myself actually 
chatting with people like they'd pick up a book and I was that mm-hmm. annoying person that like would not go away I was just like that's amazing I read that last year you have to get that and I'm not even kidding Julie I helped a woman pick five mm-hmm. books for her holiday and I was just I, I, I wasn't even like sorry I was just like yeah yeah you're so welcome like, I've yeah. given you- it's such a great feeling when you can help that way and when you know that like exactly. when it, it's that moment it's like connecting books and readers. It's pairing the right reader with the right book. And that's what I loved about book selling. And I definitely do the same thing in stores now when I feel like I always have to watch it because I totally will start. I'll see somebody pick a book and be like, well, that's great. And here's why, but you should also read this one and that one. And then they think I work there and then I don't, it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. And and it's also funny because you'll meet people while doing that and they are very clearly right. not there for you to do that <laughs> they're just right, like right. like great and then they walk off yeah. and you're just like sorry yeah. <laughs> but when you get to that point and I'm sure it feels this way with you you know considering you do this day in and day out when you get to that point where you can actually refer people mm-hmm. to books based on what they like and you're like oh well mm-hmm. if you liked Patricia Highsmith you'll love right. it you know it's, it's just such a delight I absolutely love yeah. it yeah. so we could literally talk about our case all day long but we'll go ahead and of course yeah. talk about the Texas Book Festival which for people who have haven't attended or people who aren't familiar with it. It was started by former First Lady Bush and Mary Margaret Farabee in 1995. Why do you think the festival still captivates mm-hmm. authors and readers after all this time? I mean, it started as a, I would say probably it's safe to say a small initiative by, you know, yes. Laura Bush, really yes. just to get people into libraries, to get, mm-hmm. you know, schools reading books more. And obviously, as Laura Bush was a former librarian mm-hmm. herself, it's obviously a very passionate project for her. And I just would love for you to talk about what captivates people year in and year out. Well, there are a few things. And when the festival first started, I think the first year, I think they had about 100 authors. And it was very, you know, part of it was really about celebrating Texas authors and Texas writers, which we still do, you know, but of course, now we're up to 300 authors. And I think part of the draw is that we are, while we, of course, our core is always Texas writers and Texas stories, we are bringing in these national and when we can international authors. So it's, you know, writers who maybe aren't touring through Austin otherwise or readers aren't going to be able to see and so I think that that's certainly a big draw and what really excites people is the opportunity to see that and then also you know just the the joy of a festival being able to come to see those authors who you know you want to see who you love who you're super excited about and then you can just like walk around and discover so many other books and so many other writers and pop in and out of different discussions having done bookstore events for 10 years it's been interesting to see you know and those are wonderful you know but it's interesting to see some of the differences with festival events versus bookstore events and bookstore events you generally have one author speaking to a crowd about their book but at the festival we really build these conversations we dig into the topics and the expertise of the authors and really think about what is everyone talking about in central texas right now what are the big topics out there and so we get to kind of really bring together all of these these writers to have these bigger conversations and i think that's a big draw i mean especially now as we have moved so far into a digital life, which Mm -hmm. is also great and enriching in its own ways in terms of conversation and discussion. People love that in-person conversation, that sort of in-person sharing of ideas. The internet's never going to replace that, you know? So I think that that's a really big part of why people show up. And then also we have thank all of the good book gods, been able to keep this a free festival for all of these years. So anybody can show up, you know, we want access to books and writers for everyone. So you don't have to buy different levels of badges to get in. You know, we live in Austin, which is, you know, South by Southwest town and, you know, big festival universe. And we're keeping ours easy, like just show up, you know? 
So I think that helps as well. Yeah, absolutely. Literally, as you were saying that, we do have a lot of festivals. I mean, you have South by Southwest, you have the Textbook Festival, you have ATX. I mean, it's turned into this massive hub. And, you know, growing up, I'm what they call a mutt, a Texas mutt. I grew up all over Texas and my parents returned back to central Texas almost 10 years ago. And it just radiates this energy and this enthusiasm. And there's a reason that the phrase keep Austin weird is worn on t-shirts and memorabilia. And it's just such a great atmosphere, even without festivals going on. And then when you add the festival in, it's just such a cool place. So I want to talk a little bit about what the festival does Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. This year alone, the festival will be giving more than 12,000 books to students at Mm -hmm. schools around Texas through the Reading Rock Stars program. And I would Mm -hmm. love to know more about this because this is something that I wasn't even aware of which I'm just so delighted to hear is the case and I would love for you to talk about this initiative. Yeah, for sure. And this is one of the things with us is that we're a whole nonprofit organization and we have, you know, everyone knows us for the festival and we feel like we're always trying to get the word out about everything else that we're doing because it's significant. So Reading Rockstars is an awesome program. I love it so much. We have an outreach manager, I'm Leah Bogner-Loy. She runs our Reading Rockstars program. And so it is, it's amazing. We bring authors and illustrators into low-income schools in Austin, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, and the Rio Grande Valley. It's a program we've been actively expanding and and will continue to expand into the future because we are a statewide organization. So we're trying to reach everyone everywhere. And so we bring authors and illustrators into the schools they do a presentation for you know different classes and different classrooms and then we donate a copy of that book to every kid who was in that presentation so it's amazing i mean because you see you know and part of what my coworker leah does is really work with the teachers and the librarians in advance mm-hmm. to make sure that like the kids have worked or have read the books or are familiar with them familiar with the writers and so there's this really big build up and then the writers show up the authors show up and they are like they're literal rock stars in that school and so like the whole Always are totally decorated with art based on the books. It's just like this really big immersive experience. And like they, the schools will go all out, you know, like they'll have their marching band performer, their mariachi band performer, they'll have singers and dancers all to welcome the authors. And it's just, it's incredible to see kids get so fired up about books and about reading. And then after the author does their presentation and they hand like the book to that, to each kid, these kids' eyes are just huge and they like, they hug them and they high five them. And it's just like, it's an amazing moment. And they're, you know, for some of these kids, they don't have many or any books in their homes and so also knowing that this is you know there's sometimes that moment where a kid is like oh I get to keep this this is mine and it's like yes this is your book you take this home you share it with all your brothers and sisters (laughs) it's really incredible to see I love it I love it so fantastic and yeah it's funny as a kid I don't think you necessarily registered that someone has actually written this book, right. like an actual right. person. Right. And it's in your hands or it's given to you or you pick it up at the library in your school mm-hmm. and it's like, I'm just going to read this story. And, and you don't right. really put that together. And it's such right. a cool concept, right. even you know, yeah. in your mid-30s. It's just a cool yeah, concept that yeah. someone's created this. Seeing the connection for the kids and seeing how a light bulb goes off in their heads where they yeah. think, oh, I can do this too. Yeah. You know, I can write stories. I can draw. I can create the little doodles that I'm doing my notebook they're meaningful like there are it's it's incredible exactly and when you put that book in the hands of a child you're encouraging them to one not only read that book and to get immersed into that story but also like you said that it's absolutely possible for Mm -hmm. you to do this as well and right that really brings me on to the fact that I am extremely biased about this next statement but 
Texas is a hotbed for talent. I mean, I think that's the only way to say it. And especially when you look at authors, you know, the classics like Patricia Highsmith and Larry McMurtry. And then we have newer authors like Attica Locke and Brian Washington. And it's just so exciting. I mean, obviously you love the stories regardless of where anyone comes from. And what's so great about reading and publishing today is those new voices that are emerging. And if they happen to be from Texas, maybe I get a little extra excited. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to say it again. People from Texas are just super talented. And I would love your opinion, you know, as someone who came from the outside and then, you know, got to Texas as quickly as possible. What do you think that special ingredient is mm -hmm. for people, maybe not necessarily just authors, but just people from Texas? I mean, I think the state is so big and so diverse in so many ways, culturally diverse, geographically diverse. And it's a state that really loves its own legend, you know? And so it, I feel like there are so many tall tales of Texas and so many, you know, like it's really kind of rooted in, in lore, but there's a lot of deep and rich history here. And, and I think that just that there are so many different cities, that there are so many different terrains, that there are so many different experiences here, I think really just creates such a, a rich storytelling environment and there's just there's just so many different perspectives you know like texas yeah. is big texas is so big and big. one part is not the same as another and yeah. so i think that plays a lot into it and i think that there is this very intense sense of like texas pride that people <laughs> experience you know no, and so, you don't say <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I feel like people have a sense of really building on the state's history and sort of legacy like you know what i mean like they really yeah. kind of i think feel connected to a lot of what came before them whether that's santa cisneros or whether it's larry mcritchery or whoever it is yeah. you know it really i think that there's a lot of that there but yeah this is an exciting time to be in texas i feel like there are a lot of really great literary scenes i love brian washington's collection out of Houston, Lacey oh. Johnson's also in Houston. There are good writing programs yeah. here. Austin has the Missioner Center for Writers and the New Writers Project. The center of Austin is like churning out writers all yeah. the time and it's great. And there are also a ton of amazing poets. There's a lot of really great poetry coming out of the Rio Grande Valley these days because there's a lot going on in this state. So I think that's part of it too, is that there are so many people and so many different perspectives. And I think that some of that kind of Texas working itself out kind of constantly <laughs> is also part of what creates a lot of stories and a lot of writing. I couldn't have said it better. It really is all about diversity, background, culture. Right. Like you said, no two ends of Texas are the same, right. which is what makes it right. so enriching. And I think it's really interesting, as you touched on the, the pride thing. So I had a chat with Samantha Allen, who wrote Real Queer mm -hmm. America, and she mm -hmm. went to Texas. And she said that when she was staying over at her hotel, she woke up in the morning and had a Texas-shaped waffle. And she actually uh -huh. thought that she had run out of batter and that it just happened to turn into a Texas-shaped shaped waffle and then when she realized that no actually oh, this hotel had that is intentional <laughs> yes and she was just like it would be different if other states did the exact same thing but she was like I have to give props to Texas I mean they are just unabashedly proud yep. you know yep. as I sit here with my Texas fly coffee <laughs> mug it is not a mistake yeah, yeah. but it's pretty funny I want to go back to your bookshop time so as you touched on you went to work for book people which is undoubtedly one of my favorite spaces in Austin, Texas, the world, and you were the marketing director there. And the saying goes that everything is bigger in Texas, and it is the largest independent bookstore in Texas. And that's definitely true for book people. You walk in, and I just have nothing but the highest respect for independent booksellers. It's actually Independent Booksellers Week, which is so cool. And, and so, yeah, a little shout out for the people at Book People. We love you. And I would love to talk through why you feel this bookstore in particular is so magical from a 
sense mm-hmm. of working there, but also when you just walk in, um, I would love to mm-hmm. hear that from you. Yeah, it's about celebrating the booksellers. I mean, the booksellers make any bookstore. And I think at Book People, because it is the biggest indie in Texas and has such a large staff, what I always loved and what I still love about it is that there are so many different reading styles and reading tastes in that store. And so I think that what really makes it is, you know, just all of those booksellers reading in every genre, every style of book, loving it all, celebrating books for whatever they are. I mean, like, I I feel like there's an impression that booksellers in general are snooty and that it's so not the case. And, you know, and at Book People, everyone is just always talking about what they're reading and always, you know, writing up their handwritten staff selection cards and putting those books on display. And I think that that's what makes it so special is that there is such support of like the individual reading lives of the booksellers and of really just there's the opportunity for them to share their enthusiasm. So it's all genuine. The store you'd not set up with displays that came from some corporate office. The books that are on the shelves are there because the booksellers love them because they've read them. They love them and they are excited to sell them, hand sell them to you and recommend them to you. So to me, it's really that staff. It's really what makes it really, really special. And then of course, you know, it's been in Austin for 40 some odd years now. But, you know, it's an Austin institution. I mean, we're, you know, it's at a point now where people came there as kids and now they've grown up and their kids are shopping at that store and people feel a real connection to it. And they have really good memories there. And there have been so many events over the years and people have had so many moments with authors in that store and in that space. It's a real center of the community in that way. And it's, it's wonderful. I completely agree. And it's not going to do it justice, but you know, you walk through the doors, you have books, that you might not have picked up when they first came out right in the front. So you're like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I forgot about that one. Or yeah, I heard about that. And then you walk Mm -hmm. in and there's just so much stuff everywhere. It's Mm -hmm. like, where does my eyes turn I know It's just incredible. And it can be overwhelming. Oh my gosh, but in such a good way. And I've spent so many hours and days there and got the new books on the right. Mm -hmm. And you've got the magazines a little bit towards Mm -hmm. the back, a cafe, which is great. And then you've got multiple levels. And I swear you walk in and, the reception desk is right there in front mm-hmm. of you and they the smile on people's faces just mm-hmm. literally puts an instant yeah. smile on yours and so I normally go straight for two sections one mm-hmm. is the history section because mm-hmm. I love history and then I do head towards fiction and yeah. I remember going into the history section and seeing staff member there and they mm-hmm. were just saying you know is there anything I can help you find they're so mm-hmm. friendly and I said oh yeah I've just finished this and I was just wondering you know mm-hmm. what else would you recommend and and it's almost like when you go to a restaurant and you ask the mm-hmm. waiter or the chef to select right for you. The energy and the excitement when yeah. they get to tell you what they've loved is, is just totally. And I know you yeah. get that across the board at all mm-hmm. bookstores, but there's just something mm-hmm. about book people that just yeah. leaves a smile on your face after you leave. It's just, it's so yeah. wonderful. And like you said, there's been some fantastic events there. Mm-hmm. I've had the privilege of going to a few and it's, it's just so great. So I want to actually get on to the mm-hmm. fact that you're a writer as well. And I actually was just curious whether you were working on anything new. I think there's a novel soon to be coming out. If you could tell yeah. us about so I just finished a novel earlier this year. And so I'm sort of seeking representation. It's very strange to work this much in the business and be this immersed in the business and to also then try to get something like a novel published. Short fiction feels different because I feel like I'm not in the literary journal world the same way, but in the publishing world, it, it feels very strange. I'm not sure that I'm sold on it for myself yet. So I just finished a novel and I am working on another one. I have my notebook right here, actually. <laughs> yeah. And this novel is also set in Austin. This novel is drawing, I think, a little bit more on my book people experience. It's not set at a bookstore. 
store. But it is looking at just the way the the communities that are formed in retail environments among co-workers and then also some small business labor politics type stuff and the way that some of that works out, um, which I think is something that happens a lot in Austin. And then also just I think the thing that I always wind up writing about no matter what I'm writing about are relationships, which I think most people are. Yeah. So it's sort of looking at ex two sets of like ex-girlfriends over the years and, <laughs> and, and all of that. But it is kind of looking at like the history of Austin in a way because I have it set in this. It's based on a real grocery store, but it's fictional, but it started in my book in the early 80s. Um, and so I've been researching just a lot of like 1980s Austin the last okay. few days and kind of getting a sense of what that was like there. And the city and my last novel as well dealt a lot with the way that Austin is changing because it like it's grown so much. Even I've been so here much. eight years now. And when I got here eight years ago, everyone was like, oh my gosh, Austin's exploded. And it hasn't stopped. And it yeah. just like the city's constantly under construction and there's just condos going up and apartment buildings and just so much being built all the time. And it's interesting to be in a place that has such a strong sense of identity that is also changing, you know? So like its identity is changing at the same time, but is it? And so I'm really interested in that as well. So that's what I'm working on. And I can't wait yeah. to read it. I can't wait. I'm yeah. so excited. Okay. Going back to the things we love books, I can't help but think that every couple of years there are these articles and mm -hmm. they're like, print is back there's a resurgence of book sales this is so good for bookstores you know everything's great again whereas in my mind I'm kind of like but it never went away like I'm reading no. books like why, why are you yeah. saying that it's back it's always been there yeah. and it is a wonderful thing that books are on the rise again especially when print is you know supposedly dead and mm -hmm. coming from <laughs> journalism degree and, and for me I protest the kindle I don't necessarily have Okay, that's a lie. I do have a problem when I see them on the train when I'm holding my physical book. But as long as it gets people reading, I don't actually right. care. This is a very big question. But why do you think books, and maybe I'll say physical books, just hold such a very special place in our heart? What is it about picking up a book, whether it's one that you've read over and over again or one that you're picking up for the first time? What is it about it that just holds that special place in our hearts? Yeah, I'm a fan of reading period in all formats, I will say. I personally generally read print. It's just a different experience for me. Um, I think we're all looking for connection. I think we're all looking to understand ourselves and our world and like trying to make sense out of like what it is to be alive. It's a strange thing to be alive. Like it's very weird. We know we only have a certain set of years. Yeah. There's so much that happens in between. It's a lot. And there's a lot that's come before us. Like there's a ton of history behind our backs. It's a lot to try to grapple with. And yeah. so I feel like one of the ways that we do that is by, picking up a book and really like melding with that writer's mind for those pages you know whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you're here's a human being who has created this whole story and put down all these words on a page and you get to pick it up and it's just kind of one-on-one -on -one in that way and so I feel like that's just trying to understand what the heck it means to be human and what it means to be in this world is part of why we read but also of course like entertainment and like just escape and you know just a fun story. I mean, I think people read for a lot of reasons and I think they're all valid and all important. But, you know, for me personally, I know it's really about that sort of connecting with a whole other brain, you know, and, and being able to connect across years. I can pick up the work of someone who is no longer alive and read what their life was like a hundred years ago. And that's really important. Yeah, I completely agree. And I remember chatting with Robin Sloan who wrote mm -hmm. Sourdough and wrote yeah, Mother's yeah. Book Store. Hey, Robin. And he was saying to me that 
books are the ultimate technology. They don't have to be mm-hmm. charged. Right. You know, they're portable. It's just, right. and, and I had never thought about books that way. Yeah. And it's just such a, oh, yeah. a fascinating way. And, you know, totally. Robert's brain goes that way anyway. So he's, yeah, you know, yeah. thinking, thinking about it that way. And it was just yeah. so cool. Yeah. And in terms of print, I mean, it's just, you know, when you think about print versus digital and, and digital's fine and people read that way. And I read some things that way, but you know, it's a higher barrier of entry. You have to be able to afford that device. You have to be able to afford a computer that you can hook that device up into yeah. to download the books. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's not going to replace a book, which as Robin Sloan said, is like the perfect piece of technology. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't need to be charged. It's yeah. always, it's just there and it's good. Just don't drop it in the bathtub and you're all right, you know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, and you're fine. But so I think that that has always seemed to me a pretty important thing to keep in mind or something that I do keep in mind when I've read all those same articles about, oh, print is dead or now it's yeah. back or, you know, all the industry is dead and now it's back. And it's like, books are easy. Books are easy to put in someone's hand. Books are easy to share. Ebooks are not easy to share. You can go to a library and pick up a book and you don't have to have a device. You have to have all these things just to read. No, absolutely. And I think as you touched on earlier, and, and mm. just like the festival, which is accessible to, to new generations, yeah. to older generations, yeah. to everyone, books mm. are exactly the same way. And yeah. I think that's what makes the festival so special is that you can come with your family, you can come with your friends, you, you can meet people there. And what's also great as well, and I'm really looking forward to experiencing this myself for the first time uh, <laughs> this year, is you're around people who are like-minded and love books as much as you mm-hmm. do. and to be able to have those chats with people, you know, that you might not have met to have that common ground is just so exciting and so (laughs) wonderful. And and I love that. So bringing us on to what I think is the most exciting, you have very kindly agreed to give us a bit of a sneak peek of a few authors that are actually going to be at the festival lineup this year. And I'm going to let you do that now. I'm excited. Okay. I'll start with, you know, I think the person who qualifies as a celebrity on this list who are really, I'm really excited to bring him back to Austin, writer and comedian. John Hodgman is coming um, with his new book, Medallion Status, True Stories from Secret Rooms. I did an event with John Hodgman at Book People many years ago, and he played a ukulele, and it was delightful. And so (laughs) I'm really excited that he'll be coming back around to talk about his new book. He's just such an interesting thinker and had started out wanting to be a writer before he was in comedy and um, had kind of been working, wanting to work in publishing. And so, but then wound up in The Daily Show. I mean, like, everyone (laughs) has a A pretty cool detour, actually. Yeah, yeah. So he's just a really kind human being. So I'm really glad that he's going to be here. And his book is just kind of about his life traveling, which is cool. So, and then... Attica Locke. She's coming back to heaven, my home. <laughs> She's amazing. Ugh. She, you know, she writes about East Texas and she has a really interesting family history as well. And she draws on that and draws on those stories. And she's just fabulous and such a fabulous speaker and a fabulous writer. And with excitement. <laughs> I know. Just a quick shout out to Attica, who I love so, so much. Uh, Bluebird, Bluebird is one of my favorite books. And I, oh my gosh, this, this is so exciting. Everyone yeah. else is exciting as well, but that's just so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm so stoked. A memoir that is coming out this fall from Simon & Schuster, and that is going to be a very big book. It's getting a lot of buzz. Saeed Jones, oh How We gosh. Fight for Our Lives. I just wow. finished this book. It is, you know, he is writing, oh my gosh. He's amazing. He's writing about his relationship with his mother. He's writing about his experience coming out as a young man and, you know, not only coming out, but also coming out as a young black man and what that meant and what that experience was yeah. like, but also really just writing so deeply about his mother who has passed away and that you know that from the beginning and I'm not giving you any not spoilers or anything it, no. but it is I closed that book and I just felt 
held, if that makes any sense. Like where I just felt like I was held in the aura of of his writing and his voice. And I just, and was crying as well because it's just beautiful. And I mean, I, of course I follow him online and have been following him for years. And he has a poetry collection that came out several years ago and I've been waiting for this one and excited for it. And it's amazing. And he actually went to high school in Texas. So that's really cool. Yes, he did. Yeah. 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 And for those who aren't familiar, he was the former co-host on AM to DM with Isaac yes. Fitzgerald. So we, oh, yes. I love Saeed. He's, he's amazing. So yeah. that's so cool. He was an, yeah. And he was an editor at BuzzFeed before that. Yeah. And like, yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. Okay. I'm trying to like hit all the different types <laughs> of books that we have. I'm like, we have a lot. Um, this is another novel. This book came out already. I'm very excited about it. And it actually just hit the New York Times bestseller list. Kristen Arnett with Mostly oh. Dead Things. Just another. finished it. I just finished it. Famous, oh, yeah. So you know the novel. Oh. and you you know, oh she God. writes a lot about Florida and this one is about, as she keeps saying, you know, Florida and taxidermy and queerness <laughs> and, and all of that. And so I, we, Kristen came to the festival a couple years ago with her short story collection, Felt in the Jaw, which I don't even remember how I discovered I just did. And, yeah. you know, it kind of came across my desk and I was impressed by it. She's published a lot of fiction and journals and there's a lot that's online and I started reading more and more of it. And I'm like, oh, this person's awesome. So we got her to come to the festival a couple years oh ago. And so now it's amazing to see her really phenomenal success. And, you know, she published this with Tin House and I just hit the bestseller list and it's been amazing. So oh. I'm super excited that Every, she's coming. Everyone needs to read Mostly Dead Things. It is everything to me. I loved it. Oh, it was biblically good. It was just so amazing. So that's fantastic. She's an awesome writer. She's yeah. an awesome writer. Okay, I'll talk about a couple more. I won't okay. go through all 15 because there are so, right. so many. <laughs> On the kids side of life. So, you know, at the festival, we have writers for every reader, every age range, you know, every genre. So on the kids side, we're welcoming back Kwame Alexander. He has a new picture book called The Undefeated, which is... I cried the first time I saw it. It's oh. it's about black history and black power and black pride. And it's amazing. It really. But yeah, the first time that I looked through this book, I just teared up and it's so powerful and so incredible. And Kwame is a great speaker and just is such a, a wonderful human. So I'm glad that he's coming back. Kadir Nelson is the illustrator. So he's coming with his picture book. And then a YA shout out, Hafsa Faisal with We Hunt the Flame will be part of our YA programming this year. We're super excited about awesome. that. One of the other things that we do at the festival is the Texas Teen book festival which is a whole separate festival uh, it's a one-day festival for all things YA Amazing. so that's happening on October 12th and they will have Erica Sanchez and a whole ton of authors who they haven't announced yet that's a little taste of the sneak peek the uh, rest of it is up on our site um you can see all of the wonderful authors there's a lot of them we're so excited uh, <laughs> big announcements coming over the summer oh my gosh four months yeah. that feels like forever I don't know, <laughs> I know. Right, actually so uh, oh my gosh and you have Colson Whitehead on the 23rd oh, yes. of July sorry I had to give that shout yes. out because I no, thank loved you loved the Underground Railroad so yeah. so much and the Nickel Boys is supposed to be incredible and I'm actually yeah. seeing Colson in London at the end of August oh, so I'm so excited because obviously I can't come out for the Texas part but um, yeah, yeah, yeah so big shout out to Colson yeah Nickel oh. Boys is fantastic I read it late last year and it's a novel that's really stuck with me I mean I read a lot and I you know for a book to remain so vivid in my brain several months later is really remarkable and he's just digging into more American history that we need yeah. to know about and need Absolutely. to read about and it is a really powerful book he is such a good storyteller he so he's talented. like he's on another level yeah. like it's, it's yeah it's amazing for sure so, oh, for sure well, 
I cannot wait. So that was an incredible sneak peek. That was worth me holding my breath and then exploring <laughs> afterwards. And of course, the full lineup will obviously be released and, and different people will be revealed throughout the summer. So everybody hit the website as often as possible. Yeah. Just keep refreshing. Just keep refreshing it. Yes. Yeah. All the places. We're at Texas Book Fest on all exactly. of the things. Going back <laughs> to looking at the future and obviously the future of the festival. And of course, yeah. it's going to be going for, for many, many years to come. Mm-hmm. I would love, again, this is another big question, but I was love as a literary director for the Texas Book Festival, avid reader. What is your hope for the publishing industry, the future of the Mm -hmm. festival, and just for books in general? For publishing and books in general, I would love publishers to pay more attention to what readers are asking for. They're asking for more diverse writers. They're asking for more writers of color and more writers from different backgrounds. And thanks to initiatives like We Need Diverse Books, on the kids' side and the YA side, there's been a change and it's getting better and there are more writers of color who are being published. But On the adult side, there's so much work to be done. And I feel like publishers, they believe that what is going to sell is what's sold for them in the past. And so they get kind of locked into packaging and promoting the same narratives over and over and over again. And I don't think that that serves us as readers. And I don't think it serves the writers. And I don't think it serves our literary culture. So that is what I would like to see more than anything out of books and publishing right now. And, you know, and I think it's there are a lot of different gatekeepers along the way. And I feel like everyone tends to sort of think, well, someone else is supposed to find that writer. Someone else is supposed to put that writer on my desk or put that writer in front of me. And I'd love to see, you know, agents being even more proactive about it. And plenty of them are, but I'd love to see more agents being proactive about finding those voices. Editors being more proactive about finding those voices and not just sitting back and saying, well, no one's submitting that to me. So it must not be out there. It is out there and go look for it because that's what we do at the festival. I mean, like we get pitched a ton of authors and I feel like I have to do a lot of research on my own outside of what publishers are sending me to make sure that we are representing the full, breast of what's being written in the year. So I'd love to see that. That's a big deal. And then for the festival, I mean, I love the festival so much. And as Austin's growing, it's growing in all these ways. I think what I would love to see are just like free venues, (laughs) honestly, (laughs) so that we can like continue to grow. I think that is one of our challenges is growing in a city that is also, you know, that's growing itself and that it, you know, has a lot of new expenses all over the place. And it's, it's more and more expensive and, you know, and just sort of it's it's a different vibe in, in town than it used to be. So mm-hmm. I think that it'll keep doing what it's been doing, which is bringing together so many wonderful writers, so many different writers and, and readers. And so, yeah, I would just love to see us continue to do the same and see every buddy donate money to the festival (laughs) so we can keep doing that yeah yeah i mean patrons if you're listening please just yeah keep donating and donating i I couldn't agree more with you about the need for more unique diverse voices in Mm -hmm. publishing and and i completely agree and one of the most wonderful things that i'm seeing at the moment Mm -hmm. especially over here in the uk is that we do Mm -hmm. have those initiatives are that are getting the attention that they absolutely deserve so we have an imprint over here which is part Mm -hmm. of little brown which is called dialogue Mm -hmm. books and the incredible charmaine lovegrove is leading Mm -hmm. that as publisher and the books that are coming out of this imprint are out of this world, the storytellers. Mm -hmm. I mean, my favorite book of 2019, and it's not even the end of the year yet, is Mm -hmm. remembered by Yvonne Battle Felton, and it Mm -hmm. is is published by Dialogue, and it's just, (laughs) oh, I had a physical experience with this book and there's nothing better when you find a book that does that for you. And I am such a champion for 
everyone that is doing that. So I yeah. completely agree. And thank you for everything that you and your yeah. team are doing to, to find those voices. That's fantastic. So we have to close up. Obviously, I could talk yeah. to you for absolute ages. <laughs> but I would really love for you to walk through my premise for the podcast, which is I'd love for you to imagine that your book or books that you've written, either your previous books or the novels that you have yet to publish, have been placed on a shelf. And it's great literature frozen in time. And I would love to know the Mm -hmm. authors and books that you would want alongside that shelf? This is a tough question. I mean, I want to like put it alongside all the writers who I admire. I think that when I think about, you know, I'm I'm writing a lot about queer relationships and queer women relationships. And so I love Nicole Dennis-Benz novels. Um, Patsy just came out and Here Comes the Sun came out a couple of years ago. And like, it would certainly be an honor to be placed on a shelf alongside her. And oh gosh, Amy Hempel is my favorite writer of all time, like short story writer. And I would love to be alongside her. Those are the first two who popped to mind. I mean, I, I'd say this is where it gets hard for me to like separate my writing yeah, self from my work self, because I just feel like, who am I to like, come near any of these writers like they're all so incredible and so amazing we can throw amy bloom in there too because i love her too but um yeah those are the few who come to mind but i really it's yeah i don't know i like worship at the altar of all these writers as well so it feels like just put my book on the bottom somewhere it's fine someone will find it honestly i uh, patsy doesn't come out here until the fourth of july i did tweet nicole you know obviously same name and uh, i said i'm impatiently waiting you know for a few more weeks but i I cannot wait to read it i think my main reason for waiting is because the uk cover is stunning (laughs) and i'll I'll probably pick up the u.s cover Uh, as well so i'll just have both versions so it's amazing that is a fantastic bookshelf and what's great about this question is that it's different for everyone and sometimes you do see a few of the same people on the bookshelves Mm -hmm. but I just always love to ask that question because it really shows the type of readers and also Mm -hmm. what's so great is when you meet and talk with another fellow avid reader you can have that again like I said common ground Mm -hmm. and you you find those similarities of books that you absolutely Mm -hmm. love so that's fantastic so oh well I am reluctantly saying goodbye it's been (laughs) such an absolute joy talking with you Julie thank you so much so fun thank you oh yes absolutely and please give everyone the websites the social media handles how can people get in touch with you and the Texas Book Festival So our website is www.texasbookfestival.org. And if you go to our website, you can sign up our e-newsletter, which like sign up for that mailing list. You'll get all the information first. And it's like the most reliable way to get everything about us. So sign up for our mailing list uh, via our website, texasbookfestival.org. And then on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Texas Book Fest. And then we're Texas Book Festival on Facebook. So you can find us in all those places. Amazing. And of course, go to the festival. The 26th and 27th 26th of October. 27th. Okay, fantastic. Downtown Austin, Texas. Oh, thank you so much, Julie. I absolutely love talking with you. Thank you. This has been fun. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Shelf Life. I'd love for you to tell me what you thought of it, either on Twitter or Instagram, or by leaving a review on iTunes. Until next time, happy reading. <laughs>